October 26th, 2021. We're in Masechet Rosh Three lines from the top, the second word on the line. Very briefly, just to return for a moment to that derasha that we saw yesterday, but even before that, this morning's class should be the Ilui Nishmat Yehoshua Ben Le'al Lati. It's donated by Sammy and Joey Lati. Uh, the Gemara that we saw at the end of uh, the class yesterday was Doresh this Pasuk in Tehilim, Yisrael Hu Mishpat Yaakov. But the Pasuk at the beginning uh, mentions Tikuba Chodeshofar, Bakese Leyom Hagenu. If you recall, the Derasha was Ezuhu Hag Chodesh Mitkasebo. On which holiday is it that the month is, so to speak, the moon, as Rashi understands it, uh, concealed? That must be Rosh Hashanah. It's the first day of a month, and the first day of a month is a day on which the moon is still not, uh, at least in our vision, big. And it's for that reason that we Doresh the Pasuk to be referring to Rosh Hashanah in the context of the Derashot and what, how to understand Rosh Hashanah as this day which is concealed but at the same time revealed. We discussed when we uh, learned the third Perik and the fourth Perik of Masechet Rosh Hashanah. But just for a moment, from the halachic perspective, the fact that the Gemara is accepting that Rosh Hashanah is a Hag, that the Pasu calls it Bakeseliom Hagenu, is significant as well. For example, several of the Mefarshim quote from Rabbeinu Yehuda'e Gaon, or Yehuda'e Gaon. His opinion was that on Rosh Hashanah it's asur, it's forbidden to fast. It's a mahlokit going back to the time of the Geonim, whether you're allowed to fast, to have a Yom Som on, on Rosh Hashanah. Why would a person want to do so? Well, it's a very serious day. It's a day of Teshubah, it's this day of Pahad, says Harambam, and so forth. And as a result, perhaps it's appropriate for us to abstain from eating. His argument was Rosh Hashanah is known as a Hag, pointing to this Gemara, and since it's a Hag, it would be inappropriate, it would be asur to be fasting. In fact, Harambam's words in Hilchot Yom Tov, you remind me, Morris, when he's talking about the days on which we have this mitzvah, so he mentions the apparent ones, the ones you'd imagine, right? He mentions the days of Shavuot and the days of Pesach and the days of Sukkot. And then he says, Those are his last words. Included with this are the other holidays on those days. Each person is obligated to have that simcha, the Gemara that we mentioned earlier. What's Aim Sha'ar Yamim Tobim? You told me the three Regalim. You told me all the days appended to them. What's Aim Sha'ar Yamim Tobim? What many of them, the Farshim point out over there as well, is Harambam is including Rosh Hashanah. That's what he's telling you. Rosh Hashanah is a part of this list. It's an important and significant mention. As I've mentioned on different occasions, it's difficult to call Rosh Hashanah Hag, though, because the word Hag, we assume, comes from the word Hagiga, the Korban Hagiga. Korban Hagiga was only brought on the three Regalim. It was not brought on Rosh Hashanah. So even if I'm to argue somehow I have a mitzvah of Simcha, even if I'm furthermore to argue, and that is the Halakha, that you're not supposed to or allowed to fast on Rosh Hashanah, to call it a Hag is still difficult, and it has other Halakhic ramifications. Rosh and Perik Dalit and Siman Yodalit here in suggests, he writes, that you're not supposed to say Hagim Uzmanim Nesason, which we say on the other holidays in the prayers and the tefillah on Rosh Hashanah. Why not? It's not a Hag. Okay, but interestingly, nonetheless, as, I, as, we've, as we've discussed, this Gemara has this word Hag appended to, connected to the holiday of Rosh Hashanah very briefly as well. I mentioned this in a different context when I applied to Yeshiva some years ago. It's the very beginning of email. I applied to the Yeshiva and I was interested in going and it was Hanukkah time. This is post-high school. Uh, and uh, I wrote at the end of the email in terms of making my decision, I wrote Hag Sameach. 
And so I got a response from the rabbi that, uh, that uh, Hanukkah, it's a mistake that you wrote. And you, didn't re- you didn't refer at all to what I said about my deliberation, whether coming or not. There was a one-line response to call Hanukkah a Chag as a misnomer. It's not the way you refer to this holiday, because it's only on days that have a Korban Chagiga. I was at, he sold me on the yeshiva right away. I was very excited about that, you know. What's that? And it stuck with me until today because I have difficulty on Hanukkah. What's well, so he still accepted me even with that mistake? And maybe he got excited. He could beat me up a little bit. But irrespective, as I told you, if you'll approach me on Rosh Hashanah, as many people do, and say, Hag Sameach, I'll smile and I'll tell you, Shana Tobah, because to call it a Hag, although the Gemara is in some way referring to it as such over here, is a difficult sell. Says the Gemara onward, a derasha still on that Pasuk. So if you pay attention to the Pasuk, it seems not redundant, but it seems a little long. This day is in some way a hawk. It's established by Yisrael or for Yisrael. Mishpat, and then there's a mishpat, there's a judgment, which of course is a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Melamed, the fact that the Pasuk initially seems to be referring to the realm, the obligation, the responsibility of Yisrael, and only then to Elokei Yaakov, Melamed, we can derive from this, She'en betin shel ma'ala nichnasin ladin, elaim ken kiddeshu betin shel ma'ata et ha'hodesh. The derasha goes as follows. Ki li Yisrael hu, when is it that Rosh Hashanah is established as a day of judgment? When it's Hokli Israel? When you as Israel established, you were Hokik, you carved in this day and said, this is the Rosh Hashanah, this is Rosh Chodesh, which of course was the responsibility of the Sanhedrin, of the Beitin of once upon a time. We established, we still do today, we just have a set calendar. What days are significant days on the calendar? Of course, the dates are set. But what is that date? Is the pre- previous month an extra day? Is it one less day? Is it an extra adar or not? The only way on which, says the Pasuk, according to the rabbis, that this day will have judgment for you, Yisrael, is if you establish it first as a day of Rosh Hashanah, as a day of judgment. It's a fascinating um, concept if you think about uh, world religions and you compare uh, Judaism to them. This is a very important and integral aspect that we have that most, if not all, do not have. We have this partnership which we oftentimes stress and highlight, and we should, in terms of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the governance of this world. In the morning classes on Sunday, we're learning Nefesh HaChayim, just to reference one derasha that he cites from the Midrash, from Zohar, is that the Pasuk in Shir HaShirim refers to us, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Ra'ayati. Re'a refers to Re'im Ahuvim, as a spouse of some sort. We're a spouse of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The suggestion is we are his spouse quote-unquote, in upholding and continuing the existence of this world. That means there's quite a responsibility, but in terms of the power that we are given, well, that's pretty significant as well. The Torah has in more than one place, first, Berit, covenants with Abraham Avinu, and then through Moshe with Ami. So that's a big deal to say you have a covenant, you have a Berit, you have a pact with a human being. I understand that God, Kivyachol, needs to or was willing to enter into a pact, a covenant, a Berit with us. That's a big deal. That's the statement of the Gemara. Your own deen, your own judgment from the Almighty will only come based on the date that you've determined. It's significant in the halachic realm, perhaps as well, because the halacha is when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, the Gemara in Masechet Berachot and Daflamet says, when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, since En Mekadeshin et Chodesh Balayla, the Betin would never establish the new month at night. 
It would need to be done during the day. That's the way many of the Betin's procedures were done. As a result, practically for us, we're not dealing with Betin, we're not dealing with Kiddush HaChodesh. If you miss Ya'alev Yavo at night, what's the halakha? You don't need to repeat the Amidah. Why not? In Mikadishin HaChodesh Ba'alayla. Interestingly, says, says Morris, he thought it was because Tfilat Arbit Rishut. What about the second night? If it's a two day Rosh Chodesh, you have to repeat. It's because in Mikadishin Tahodesh Balayla. That's the significance of it. Tosafot, as a matter of fact, points out it's not because of Tfilat Arbit Rishut. Because in Mikadishin Tahodesh Balayla is what the Gemara says. Well, that being the case, um, the suggestion of uh, some. Haye uh, Adam quoting from others is if you forgot to say Hamelech Hakadosh on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, maybe you don't need a repeat Amidah. That's the statement, that's his suggestion. Get slammed. Many of the Aharonim say, What are you talking about? When you're dealing with Rosh Chodesh, in Mekadishin, the Chodesh Balayla means that the Sla, the prayer, is therefore Tefilat Hola, right? You said, Yubarachi Nafshi, maybe. What else about the prayer makes it, qualifies it as Rosh Chodesh? You're envisioning this time at not really Rosh Chodesh yet. You're supposed to treat it as Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh really sets in the next day. Are you telling me that the tefillah and Rosh Hashanah night as well, you know, technically speaking, you could have tefillah told clearly not. We're praying the holiday prayers and as a result, Melech HaKadosh comes together with that. Of course you need to repeat. The the defense uh, to to arguing, although it's not the halakha, but the defense to arguing with Haye Adam's claim is with this Gemara. After all, the only way in which the deen of Rosh Hashanah sets in, says our Gemara, is when it's Kihokli Israel. Is when we establish that day as Rosh Hashanah. When could we establish that day of Rosh Hashanah? Only during the daytime. If it's only during the daytime that we could establish it as Rosh Hashanah, it means our judgment could only take place during the daytime, which in turn, Hamelech HaKadosh, which is talking about his deen, his ability to judge us as a king, technically only sets in during the day. However, I would tell you, number one, use your Sidur on Rosh Hashanah night and you won't make a mistake like that. And number two, if you did forget to say HaMelech HaKadosh, even at night, the Halakha says you'd have to repeat it. Okay, that's the Derasha. You have to repeat. No, you don't need to repeat in general. There's, it's only, you're, you're th- no, 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 even during the day, if you forgot to say, you don't need to. In the Amidah, no, he's asking, Berkat Amazon, he said. Berkat Amazon, it's the Gemaran Masechi Perachot and Dafnet. What's that? Only when the meal is Iba'e. The Gemara says, if you have an option of eating or not eating, you don't need to repeat. If it's an obligatory meal, so then you need to repeat. Rosh Chodesh, as wonderful as the day is, there's no obligatory bread at the meal. Says the Gemara, or Tanya Iddach, a different Biraita being Doresh, this Pasuk as well, Kihokli Yisraelhu, Pasuk says that it's that hawk, it's established in some way for Yisrael, and the Eleli Yisrael. All I know is that, again, our reference in this Pasuk is to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a day for Yisrael. Uh, is it for others as well? Le'umot ha'ulam minayin. How do I know that it's for the nations of the world as well? Now, it's, it's clearly an assumption of the hachamim already. They're going to be Doresha from the Pasuk. We saw it in the Mishnah and Daftet Zayin. I know it sounds a little funny. We already learned the Mishnah Daf Tetzayin. Mishnah Daf Tetzayin says, Kol ba'e olam ovrim lefanav kibre maron, if you recall. Kol ba'e olam means all the people of the world. Harambam in Perik Gimal of Ilchot Teshuvah. Halacha Gimal has as well. This is a holiday or an establishment of Yom Tov for all of existence. How do you know? It's not just for Am Yisrael. Tamud Omar, Mishpat 
Lelohei Yaakov. The Mishpat is not just for Israel, it's so to speak, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, he's judging with his, uh, with his uh, representation, his manifestation as Elohim, Baal HaKohot Kulam, the ability to dominate all of existence, to create and bring forth and sustain it. That's Elohim, Lelohei Yaakov is for all. That's Rosh Hashanah. In Ken, Matamudomar, Kihotli Israel. So, why start the Pasuk by saying this is a day for Israel? If you tell me Rosh Hashanah is this universal day, it's not only for Israel, it's for Eloke Yaakov, it's for all of existence, all of humanity. Well, then why'd you start the Pasuk by saying, Kihotli Israel, Melamed, Shi Israel, Nichnasin, Tehila, Ladin? It's a, we derive from this, say the Hachamim, that you have to envision it as Am Israel entering in first for the deen of Rosh Hashanah. What do you mean? HaKadosh Baruch Hu certainly is able to do it all at once. What we need to do from this Gemara is clearly derive an understanding for ourselves more than anything in terms of representation. The way it's oftentimes explained, these sorts of Gemarot, and you'll see you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to explain this way in the ensuing lines is the way some of the Ba'alei Mahshava, if I remember correctly, Kochve Or of Rabbi Yitzchak, or of Blazer, is that we have to envision, and perhaps it's even, you know, in reality this way, the din shel ma'ala like the din shel mata. In other words, we envision HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of judging in a way that relates to us. How could we find a way to relate it to us? We have to envision it in our terms. So as a result, when we mention these sorts of things, A, they're not to be taken literally, and B, any literal side they have to it is only for us. In other words, it's only so I understand and can relate in some way to this din, not because he needs to do it this way, and not because he's prone to the issue the Gemara are going to say in an explicit sense, Kidder of Hasta, the Gemara explains why should Yisrael go first, like Rav Hasta taught the Amar of Hasta, Melech Vesibur. You might remember this, we saw this later on in the Masechet. If there's a king and his congregation, who goes in first to the deen? They all need to be judged for whatever the circumstance is. Melech Nichnas Tehillah Ladin. It's the king who comes in first. Really? Why Shine'emar? Mishpat Abdo. That's the pasuk that Shilomo has in his tefillah. So he first talks about the servant of God, referring to himself as the king, and then Mishpat Ammo, and then the entire nation. All right, so you're likening the more significant, the more uh, central figure, meaning the Melech, to Yisrael. So the same way the king comes in first, so to Yisrael comes in first. Who comes after the king? His nation. Who comes after Yisrael? The nations of the world. But what's the reason for doing so? Why not just have everyone all at once? It's God. I mean, if they are niskarin biskira had, the Mishnah does tell us on Daftet Zayin that technically speaking, in some sense, we're all seen at once. It's true. Then there's some sort of pekida, some sort of zechira about each one of us. But why do it even in a in a in, a, in an order leveled in, as such? Either the Gemara says ibait im terse emor. In other words, the first suggestion. Any time you see those words, it means we're going to have two separate answers two separate suggestions as to why Yisrael comes first. Number one, lav orah ar'ah lemekam malka abarai. Orah ar'ah, derech ha'aretz. It's not derech eretz. It's not appropriate. Lemekam, to situate, to stand, malka, the king, abarai, like beraita, outside. What does that mean? It means it's inappropriate. You're going to put the nation in first, you're going to put the congregation in first and have the king waiting outside? Haram, abisi. What's that? The nation's going to get favorable ju- judgment. Right. 
second answer of the Gemara. I'm on the first answer first. First answer is, no, there's two answers. You're on the second one that it has to do with Haron Af. The first answer is, it's just not Derech Eretz. Unless they explain to you, Derech Eretz means it's inappropriate. Haram. But it's not only the other guy, it's the entire nation. So it's going to take a while, he's going to be waiting outside, and I was going to have to smile awkwardly at all the people passing by, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. Is it going to be an easier judgment that way? Is it going to be? The suggestion of the... Oh, so that's why I thought you read ahead in the Gemara. The, the next line in the Gemara is quite the opposite. Is, uh, unfortunately, people, uh, we are a, li- a little bit more pessimistic than you. We assume that the initial judgment from God to human beings is going to be a little bit more not so great. And as a result, we'd rather the king come in first because get it before there's an anger at you. Understand what I'm saying? But no, your optimism is very enlightening. Um, but the, the Gemara's, again, so, but this suggestion already is. Now, in terms of what I mentioned earlier, just in terms of the way we can envision it, that much we can accept. If it was a melech basa, if it was a judgment of a regular court, so you send in the first one first, so as not to be inappropriate. Here, I mean, the question Nathan asks is really strong. Now, we're dealing with the judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're not physically standing anywhere. We don't even feel, I mean, we feel it internally, but we don't have, uh, you know, uh, there's no gavel. I understand, you're right, it's one after the other, so we have to envision in such a fashion. But what does it mean it's not derech eretz? By definition, derech eretz means the way you're going to, right? Someone has busha, someone has embarrassment. It's because of how others see them. If I'm benil ben atzmi, without feeling the presence of God, I'm not very embarrassed about anything because nobody else is watching me. What is it not derech eretz for? I'm not waiting for anything. I don't know that he's judging you or judging me right now. None of this is revealed and opened in front of me. And as a result, what's that? I, okay, so so if you suggest like Robbie, which is the way, the direction I was going in initially, that's right. In other words, it's in terms of vision of how this is working. You need not say this in a literal sense. You have to understand it as what the Gemara is telling us, what the Pasuk is telling us about who we are. It's more teaching us a lesson. That's right. And the lessons we learn from it, 100%. Alternatively, Aruch Laner on this line just says this whole line is only with regards to real deen of human beings. And in our specific specific context, it's not relevant. In other words, Aruch Lainer says these two answers, the first of which is in this world judgment. When we deal with HaKadosh Baruch this reason was never suggested in that context. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, there was a conversation separately about if there's a king and there's the nation of human beings in front of a human being, and there were two reasons suggested. The Gemara has taken that conversation and injecting it into the judgment of God. This is the first reason not relevant, but these suggestions might work just as well. In other words, if you read it like this, if you read it as teaching us a lesson, as giving us the vision, as talking about so forth, so that'll work as well. Says the Gemara Ibaitema. Alternatively, Mikame, we want to have the king in there before Delefush, before it gets spread out, Haron Af, so to speak, the anger and the wrath of God. Shema Israel. What are you saying? Well, first and foremost, the specific, the, the literal translation, literal translation goes like this: We need the king to get a favorable judgment. That much we need. I mean, you're going to put in the whole nation all at once. We'll see how it goes. But the king, if he comes after the nation, after the nation was already in, uh, it was nafish. It was already spread out. Milashon nefesh. Nefesh means to breathe out the haronaf, God's wrath, and the king comes in. He doesn't stand a chance. So get the king, get the ehad ha'am in first, have a favorable judgment, and only then have the people. It's very practical, pragmatic in this respect. What does that mean? Haronaf of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? He lives by midat ha'emet. 
not lives, he is midata emet. Uh, what are we talking? He's the embodiment or whatever, the, the, the existence of emet. So you have to envision it again, number one, as a lesson more than anything in describing how judgment should and can work. But secondly, you see, the Gemara in Masechet Menachot and Daf Mem Aleph has the following funny statement. The Gemara is talking about wearing sisit. And we wear sisit on a four-cornered garment. Says the Gemara, but if you don't wear a four-cornered garment, you don't need to be wearing sisit. You won't be punished for it. It's a mitzvah ta'aseh. You don't need to fulfill that mitzvah ta'aseh. Says the Gemara, but if it's a time of haron af, if it's a time of divine wrath, then you'll be punished even for not fulfilling what you could have easily fulfilled. The example of the Gemara is wearing a four-cornered garment with sisi. That's the statement of the Gemara. It's, a, it's another one of these startling statements. What's that? What Again, I'm only bringing us closer to an understanding over here. What that Gemara, what this Gemara are describing in my mind is the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu treats the world to the, to, according to our very finite uh, understanding, and that is without a strict letter of the law judgment, which is the general way that mitat hamim existence within which we live, there's a certain fluidity, there's a certain ability that each of us are given to make decisions without being slammed every time we do something wrong. That's a general existence. There are times, and I can't explain to you why, when the governance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu veers into a mitat din realm where things are more letter of the law, times of tragedy and and destruction as we invest, as the Torah tells us, as Harambam makes clear, don't look at this tragedy and envision this as divorce from God's ways. This is God's involvement. Why now as opposed to, an, okay, introspect, try to figure that, but I was wicked, I was evil, worse in the past, okay, whatever, we have questions, but the description of Haron Af in my eyes is a strict rigidity in terms of judgment. So the description then goes like this, there's going to be a rigidity of judgment. We can't guess exactly how and when that's going to come about. Get, quote unquote, get the king in first as we're still in this flu, what's that? Indeed, but I'm envisioning it as the king may have done a good job, so let me get him in before I'm certain or more certain that there's going to be wrath. Again, there's no simple interpretation to any of these matters. No, you want him to get in as the representative before, that's right. You don't. What else is it? You're saying just just take it. No, it can't be. No, no. Look, look at Rashi, look at Rashi, um, Judah. The lefush haron af, the second wide, second narrow line. Bishvil avonot asibur. It's because of that. All right. Says the Gemara onward. Oh, so the Gemara, ultimately speaking, makes clear, I'm sorry, yes, no, no. thank you for bringing me full circle, Mars. So it means that Israel then have their judgment before Umot HaOlam. Israel, who are likened in this context to the Melech, are the first ones, and then it's Umot HaOlam afterwards. What does that mean? He's not here, Musa's not here. Musa's very fond of quoting from the Mekubalim, that Am Israel get the daytime of Rosh Hashanah, and the Umot HaOlam have the nighttime. There are Midrashim along these lines. It must be if Musa's on this. It must be Zohar as well. But but anyway, that is oftentimes the way it's envisioned as uh, Am Yisrael gets day one and Umot Ha'olam get day two. That's, that's what we're dealing with over here. Okay, says the Gemara, indeed, I mean, can you imagine, Hazaton, they got the, li- the Laila, which is the time of strict deen. All right, that's how it goes. He goes in first, he goes in with the rope, right? He gets the deen if it's no good. 
That's right. He's, then, he's also the leader. He is. He is, and you have to envision it similarly. Okay, it says, again, he's petitioning as well, and he's, he's worshipping, but indeed. It says the Gemara, Velishmitin. If you recall, the Mishnah told us that Aleph B'Tishrei, Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, is going to be Rosh Hashanah La Shemitin for Shemitah. What does that mean? Shemitah, of course, we know the seventh year is a year in which several things go into effect. Number one, what goes into effect is that you can't work the field during that year. Number two is that all Loans are annulled, are forgiven. Now, what are we referring to when we say Shemitin? This is important. We're referring to Avodat Karka. Rashi makes that very clear over here. It says, Rashi, Minalan, Sheshishnat, Shemitah, Mekudeshet, Merosh Hashanah, Ve'asur, writes Rashi, Ba'avodat Karka. And specifically, we're talking about working the ground. Why doesn't he mention also Shemitat Kesafim? The answer is for the same reason that none of us, I imagine, did our Prusbul yet. But this year is Shemitah. Prusbul, of course, is the way that uh, the Hachamim Hilel Hazaken built to circumvent this issue of your your loans uh, being annulled. How come we didn't do Prusbul yet? The answer is because we're posek that it goes into effect at the end of the year. So although this is Rosh Hashanah for Shemitah, it's with regards to working the ground. The annulment, the forgiveness of the loans only goes into the effect at the end. So this is Rosh Hashanah. When we refer to this, it's for working the ground. Minalan. What's our source that you can't work the ground uh, starting from Aleph B'Tishrei of that year, Dichtiv, Ubashana HaShevi'it, Shabbat Shabbaton Yihyeh La'aretz. So far, that's just the Pasuk that describes Shemitah, right? The seventh year, Shabbat Shabbaton, an absolute shutdown, will be for the ground. V'gamar, Gamar Milashon Gemara, we learn. And now when you have two words next to each other in the Gemara, it's what we refer to as a Gezer HaShavah, means the word is used in one place and in another place, and we have some sort of tradition linking them up to the other. So V'gamar, and we learn what we call again a Gezer HaShavah, Shana Shana Mitishrei. The word Shana is mentioned, of course, in more than just two places. You have to be working with some sort of tradition to link them up. Uh, from one place to the other place where it says Shana. This Pasuk talked about the seventh Shana. Elsewhere it says Shana in the context of Tishrei. Which Pasuk? We know this Pasuk. We read it yesterday. Dichtiv Mereshit HaShana. Right, if you recall, the Pasuk in Sefer Devarim says that the eyes of God are on the land. Mereshit HaShana. Ve'ada Harit HaShana. When is it that his eyes are on the land for everything that will take place from beginning until end. The Gemara told us that's the beginning of Tishrei. Says the Gemara, beautiful derasha. I have a question. Viligmor, why didn't you instead do a Gezer Shava? Shana, shana, minisan. Could have gone in the direction of Nisan, what we know as the first of the months. Dichtiv, rishon hulachem le chodshe hashana. Pasuk over there refers to it as the first of the, the first year for the months, or the first month for the years. So, well, uh, why is it that you're envisioning the beginning of Shemitah? You told me because the word Shana is in the Pazuk, and you're linking it up to Reshit Shana. The word over there is Hashana, so you'll ask me, and it's an appropriate question. We must have had tradition on one as opposed to on the other. Sometimes the Gemara had more than one tradition. Hard to explain these sorts of Gemara. Because if we have tradition, you could look at Shana every time it says the word Shana in the Torah. We apparently have tradition on one. But if you have tradition on one, then why are you asking from another? Apparently you had an option of uh, tradition on both. These are questions that are, you know, the Rishonim, though, we, we have difficulty understanding these dirashot. Answers the Gemara, however, Danin, we make a dirashot, Shana she'en imah hodashim, mi shana she'en imah hodashim, ve'en Danin, shana she'en imah hodashim, mi shana she'esh imah hodashim. The Pasuk by Shemitah mentions the seventh year without mentioning anything about months. The Pasuk by Mereshit HaShana doesn't mention anything about months. Shana she'enimah chodashim from Shana she'enimah, just Shana, heke, year. 
Pasuk by Nisan, it talks about Chodshe Hashana. It's not just talking about year, it's talking about the months of the year. That's qualitatively different. That's a different aspect. And as a result, says the Gemara, how do we learn that Shemitah begins on Aleph Betishrei, you have to stop working the land, is because of a Gezerah Shava from Mereshit Hashana Vadaharit Shana. Okay, but the Mishnah continued. It didn't say Aleph Tishrei is only the Rosh Shana La Shemitah. It's also for Yovel, as we've discussed in the past, every 50th year has several significant aspects to it. Uh, in addition to not working the land, similar to a Shemitah, slaves, Eved Ivri, are set, uh, more than Eved Ivri, all slaves are set free on Shenata Yovel, um, and lands, many lands, also return to their initial owners. That's on Shenata Yovel. So the Mishnah told us, when does Yovel set in? So you could have several options. Uh, it could be on Yom Kippur. We're going to see that in a moment. We already discussed that. Why would it be Yom Kippur? Anyone remember? That's the time on which your Ha'avatim Shofar Teruah. Remember, you sound the Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur, and the Pasuk says, Ukratim Deror. And then it's going to be a time in which you're going to call out Americans would call it liberty, right? Maybe freedom, but we call it the liberty bell. So that means you're going to... On Rosh Hashanah as well, but the Torah never says that the Rosh Hashanah sounding of the shofar is for the freedom of Yovel. Harari's derasha this year on Rosh Hashanah was that there is some aspect of that. But in terms of the Torah, it's ukratem deror, it's only in context of, Yo of Yovel and of Yom Kippur. Yes, Rabbi. So that's an interesting question. Are we waiting until Kippur? Our Mishnah clearly is not telling us that. Clearly, that's right. Indeed, all right. Yeah, you all you all just read the not read it. You all just uh, predicted the Gemara again. On the one hand, we should have a question. That's Rabbi's question. It'll be the first question in the Gemara. What do you tell me? Aleph Tishrei. It should be the tenth of Tishrei. It should be Yom Kippur. And then Jesse said, but we already learned, there are two opinions, that the sounding of the shofar might not be what sets them free, they might already be free from Rosh Hashanah, it's just a designation on the 10th of Tishrei. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We don't have Yovel any longer. Uh, the reason we don't have Yovel, we don't have Am Yisrael entirely in Eretz Yisrael. It's not, not effective. That's right, shut down. We know about these things. All right, anyway, it says the Gemara, Yovlot be'ehad betishreu. Are you telling me Yovel is on the first of Tishrei? Yovlot be'asara betishrei. That's the question, Rabbi. Isn't it on the tenth? Dichtiv b'yom ha-kipurim ta'aviru shofar. Pasuk says that you sound the shofar on the 10th of Tishrei, on Yom Kippur. Answers the Gemara Hamanne, the author of our Mishnah, must be Rabbi Ishmael ben Oshel Bi Yohanan ben Beroka. This is Jesse's answer. He detanya, after all the Beraita teaches. Stop for a second. What's those words? You already told me you're going to count till the 49th year and then you're going to sound the shofar. What's with the next words? It's redundant, unnecessary words. And you're going to sanctify the 50th year. I know you're sanctifying the 50th year. You you just told me in the Pesukim beforehand, you're counting 49 years, and then you're getting to Yovel. What's the Kiddash Demet Shenata Hamishim? The Pasuk immediately beforehand said, you're going to count 49 years, and then on Yom Kippur, you're going to sound the Shofar, Should we read it literally? Should we read it exactly as it seems to be stated that Yom Kippur is the time on which Yovel, the Jubilee year, goes into effect, from Yom Kippur, 
that's what the Pasuk says immediately thereafter. It says you're going to sanctify the 50th year. You learn from this that the Kiddush, the sanctity, the, the Halachot of Yovel sets in from the very onset, from Aleph Betishri. It's based on this, that this opinion, whom we are explaining is the author or that opinion that's being listed in our Mishnah. Pause for a second before we read onward. So what do we have then? We have from Rosh Hashanah, Aleph Tishrei, all the slaves are going free. All the fields are going back, it appears, right? Now what happens on Yom Kippur? You say, I'm the shofar. So what happens to the slaves from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur? This question Jeffrey asked me during the summer. He said, what's the point of the shofar then? If the shofar is to designate the freedom, but you're letting them free from Aleph Tishrei, What's going on during those ten days? They got a honeymoon state. They don't go home, but they're not enslaved. They're not allowed to go home, but they're not allowed to be worked. And they're not enslaved, they're not being worked by their masters. So what are they doing? They're eating and drinking from the estate of their former masters. And they're celebrating, but they're celebrating on someone else's money, on someone else's time, and someone else's uh, uh, lodgings. And they might even have their crowns on their heads designating their, their freedom. They put, you know, they used to wrap their, you know, there were certain markers between slaves and free people. One of them was whether your head was covered. That designated a certain freedom. They put their, that on already. Their honeymoon is over on Kippur, now out into the harsh real world, but outside of the master's home. The betin would sound the shofar. They would then return to their original homes, to their families. And the original fi- and fields would then return to their original owners as well. Okay, that far we understand, I think we're going to... Yeah. That's the statement. You had to wait until the sounding of the shofar. Lastly, the Beraita just needs to conclude itself. One last line over here. So let me just very briefly um, summarize what we saw in this last segment of the Gemara. We talked about Rosh Hashanah Layovlot being on Aleph B'Tishrei. Ask the Gemara, shouldn't it be on the 10th of Tishrei when you sounded the shofar? After all, that's what the Torah says. Ukratim Deror. The freedom's going to take place on Yom HaKippurim. Answers the Gemara. There's really somewhat of a contradiction in Pesukim. Rabbi Ishmael ben Shel Rabbi Hanan ben Berokai explained for us that it works like this. Rosh Hashanah, everything sets in. But it doesn't go into effect until the 10th of, uh, of Tishrei. So what are they in the, in, the, in, the, in the interim period? They're living the good life. They're living the Ben Hashem Ashot time during which they're kind of in limbo, but it's a very positive limbo. It's not a, a, it's not a vulnerable uh, limbo. It's a limbo which all of us might want to have, where you have all the goods coming in and you don't have any of the negatives. They might not, but they don't have much of a choice. They're not going to stay slaves. They're not allowed to, really. Anyway, it says the Gemara. Okay, great. So that's the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael. What about the Hachamim who disagree? How do they understand that Pasuk of the 50th year? Remember, we just need to finish fleshing that out. Because after all, according to them, the 10th of Tishrei is when Yovel actually goes into effect. Not our Mishnah, not Rabbi Ishmael. Shanim atamekadesh v'yatamekadesh chodashim, which means to say the following. There is on the Kavdalid a Mishnah. The Mishnah over there will debate if on every Rosh 
Kodesh, the Betin was supposed to say the following words, Mekudash, Mekudash. We always assume they did. That's what we kind of do in our Berkata Levana every month. We kind of mimic what they used to do. There are three opinions over there as to when and how this was appropriate. One of the opinions, his opinion is that you would not do that on the beginning of months. You would not have a formal Kiddush Betin. When would you have a formal Kiddush Betin? Only for Shanim, only for years. Meaning, he was Doresh, this Pasuk of Hamishim Shanad, the Kiddashtim. Only then do you have a Kiddush Betin. But you don't have it for Hodashim. So in other words, Hachamim then is another minority of opinion. And that is nothing having to do specifically with Yovel other than that's when Betin does their operation of Mekudash, Mekudash, as opposed to on Hodashim. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen. Bechanam